0: This is Team Business Podcast. Team Business uncovers the everyday entrepreneurs' why, how, and the road to now. With hosts Mike Fusco and Ray Ramirez. Join us to learn how game-changing founders act on their vision and build a team for success. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Ray. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining Ray and I on another segment of the Team Business Podcast. We are delighted to be joined by Miss Ruth King. Hi, Ruth. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing this afternoon? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. Ruth joins us from the Atlanta, Georgia area, and we're thankful for her taking time. She's, she's, she's quite busy. So, uh, Ruth, tell us a little bit about your background. We know that you're a profitability master. Uh, I think a lot of our audience that watches our show and follows along will love to hear what you have to say about that because we have a lot of small business owners that uh, make up our audience. So, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background and what that means to be a profitability master.
1: Well, I started out as a chemical engineer, believe it or not, and had summer jobs in chemical engineering that I absolutely loved, got out in the real world that I absolutely hated. (laughs) So I went back to school, got my MBA at night while I was working and found an absolute love of numbers because my undergrad was all engineering. I didn't have a single business course in undergrad. And I started, you know, started the business at that particular point because I, I, the numbers just kind of come to me. It's pretty easy for numbers. So um, I started back in 1981. So I've been at it for about 40 years. And my goal has always been to help customers or help, you know, business owners get and stay profitable, give them the tools and processes to do that so that they build profitability, then build wealth, and then give back. So over the years, I've written five books. I have a website called profitabilityrevolution.com, which has 250 some odd videos on it, all for small business owners that can help you, um, you know, if you're staying up at night, go check one of those out, they'll probably help you there. And for us, they're not for, you know, Fortune 500 or any large companies, they're meant for small business owners. And I love what I do. I just, I love helping small businesses. And I got the name Profitability Master because some of my clients were going, okay, you really and truly do Want us to get and stay profitable. And that's how the nickname came up.
2: Pretty cool name to go by, I got to say. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, I'm just looking at your uh, resume here. I mean, you, you, you're you're busy. <laughs> so, I mean, tell us a little bit more about um, HVAC channel TV. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah. H, um, HVAC channel TV is a niche channel for heating and air contractors. There's some plumbing things on there and electrical and things like that, but it's meant with specific manuals and specific courses and specific. Um, ideas that can help them grow specifically a contracting business, which is very different than a business. Hmm. For example, would be a marketing business that had no products and it was all service oriented or a different than a manufacturing business, which for all intents and purposes, doesn't really do anything but build product. So that's what it's for. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Tell us a little bit. you talked about contractors. HVAC seems like a niche you work in. You mentioned small business businesses in general. But what, what, who are your target? What's your target market? Who are your key clients? What are My they key of-
1: clients are people who want to grow. I mean, I don't do very much work with startup companies simply because they don't know what they don't know yet. And yeah. you know, usually most of the time when people start paying attention to the financials is when they get in trouble. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the case. They can't pay their bills. A client, um, you know, their biggest customer went bankrupt on them um you know that type of thing and finally oh my gosh i gotta look at my my numbers you know what am i going to do now um so most of the time if it's somebody who's really just thinking about starting their business the book i wrote called um Daily truth about small business i've had one of my clients give it to he was a franchisor and he gave it to all of his franchisees and said if you can't deal with the stuff that's in this book, do not buy my franchise. And <laughs> he probably saved a whole lot of people, heartaches and, and right. money and things like that for not being able to deal with that stuff. Cause it's real.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, as far as uh, for the audience uh, can understand, I mean, small business and depending on the industry you're in means many things. Um, you mentioned, you don't, I mean, I, I, I can relate to the startup. I mean, sometimes when you're dealing with that type of customer, it's, they don't know what they don't know. But from a small business context, uh what 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 revenue sizes do you typically work with? Or I mean
1: Ooh, that, that's a really hard one. Can I answer it in a different way?
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Of course. I
1: look at I look at business, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever you want to call us, in in three in three areas. I look at one which I call the lifestyle business. And this is a person who just, you know, basically doesn't want to work for anybody else, wants to work from themselves by themselves. Um And they are in a situation where they don't want employees. They don't necessarily want to grow. They want to fund a lifestyle. So this group of individuals is probably most focused on making sure their pricing is right and cash flow. So they're not really going to be interested in making sure they're profitable or anything else like that. Obviously, you need profitability to have cash flow, but they're really focused on making sure that they have the cash flow to support their lifestyle. So that would be um, a type of business number one. Type of business number two is what I call a tool business, and you started a business or you bought a business for a specific reason, i.e., you want to serve a market, you want to serve a niche, um, you want to be able to take time off to go to your volleyball games of your child, and literally one of my clients started his business as a, because of that. Um, but you you are looking at it as growing it, you're looking at it as um, hiring employees building the business to eventually sell it or pass it along to a second, you know, the next generation or employees. And then the third type of entrepreneur I look at is somebody who I call the the entrepreneur entrepreneur, where you are here to save the world. Um, You use venture capital. You grow phenomenally fast. You, um, at some point in time, you may turn it into as the entrepreneur, get out of the business, sell it, and let a, a management team come in and run it. But these are generally really, really, really big businesses as they grow. And I generally don't work in that arena. Mm. My favorite arena to work in is what I call the tool businesses. You started a business, you want to grow it, you want to grow it profitably, and you want an exit plan. So that I mean, that's how I work. Yeah, at that's great. Yeah,
2: that's that's a great just way to describe it. That was awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: So tell us, Ruth, we know, I'm sure you've heard this question time and time again, but did, 20, did COVID-19 or 2020 change your business model? Did it change the way that you serve your clients or the way that you do business on a day-to-day basis?
1: It forced me to refocus a little bit because uh, a lot of the classes that I was doing in person, I put online instead, but I had already had a lot of online experience with profitability revolution and things like that. But a lot of the other classes that I was doing in person, like a lot of the financial classes that I was doing in person, I started putting pieces of them online. So did it affect my business? Um, Not to the extent that it affected a lot of other people's businesses. Um, I also have a lot of recurring revenue. I have clients who pay me every single month to do specific things. So that recurring revenue didn't go away. Um, I talked a couple of them off the ledge when it happened. (laughs) But, you know, as a general rule. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna
0: say you must have some clients that struggled, as we all have. Yeah, you know
1: we all have. I had a cool. client who had eighty percent of his revenues in restaurant business.
2: Oof. Need yeah. I say more? Yeah. No, no, you don't have to.
1: Okay. <laughs> he pivoted very fast. He was smart enough to recognize it and go, I will not use his expletive, but yeah. <laughs> you know, he said, Okay, what do we do now? And we created a plan and we got him to the point where um eighty percent of his business I'd say it's probably about 10% of his business right now simply because we had to pivot because those businesses were shutting down and we had to find other people who could use his services. And we did it pretty quickly. Um, Could he have done that
0: without you? Huh? Do you think he could have done that without your help?
1: Probably it would have taken him longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, he could have, but he trusts me and I, you know, I'm there for him. And as a result of it, it was like, Oh, blank. What do we do now? This is what's going on. I said, okay, let's take a look at what you're doing, where we can do other areas, where we can do other industries. And we immediately put together a plan. Probably we started it over the phone and it was done in two days. And he went and executed wow. the plan. Wow! Took care of it. That's now, impressive. Now, could he have, been, could have done it himself? Probably. Would have taken two days. No. It would have taken weeks.
0: Yeah. And he stayed profitable throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. Now, is he opening back up now, his restaurants, or is he still focusing in the, oh, so he's like, hey, this is, I like what I'm doing now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: my rule now is no more than 20% of your revenue in any one industry and no more than 20% of your revenue with any one client. So don't have all your eggs in
2: one basket. Be diversified. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that said, I mean, uh, can you like elaborate a little bit more for our audience as far as like some of the best practices and what you're actually doing for some of these uh, some of these clients of yours?
1: First of all, since I am focused on profitability and building wealth, uh, number one, we have a budget. We always have a budget, and that budget is broken down by week, so we know how much revenue has to be generated every day, every week, and they report in every week. So we know whether we're on track or not on track. So that particular thing, it forces them to look at their numbers and what they're doing every single week. I'll give you a really sad example. Um, one of my clients and until last August was doing fine. Even through COVID, we were tracking on budget. And then in September, I'm not sure where he went um, mentally because he stopped paying attention to it. And the bookkeeper was still sending me the numbers, but the numbers were going down. He was not making budget. And so I'm screaming about it. His bookkeeper's screaming about it. And he just is like, I'm not, you know, not there. So in December, I got an email from him. I ran out of cash. How did this happen? Yeah. I called him on the phone and I said, Did you even listen to what we were saying over the past couple of months about budget? Well, not really. Now, the good part is he had a line of credit and he used his line of credit. But that's not the point. The point is, you know, you have, sometimes you have to get hit between the eyes with a two by four. And that was <laughs> yeah. his way to fall. And he won't do it again. He yeah, you
0: learned you learn the lesson. I think I just got to jump in here before you, you go to the second. But I think sometimes what I notice working with p- pe- small business owners is they don't want to face the facts. So they might try yeah. to hide from it. And then they hide from it for too long. And then all of a sudden it surfaces to a point where they can't get away from it. And yeah, now yeah. they have to face the facts, and unfortunately, you're the one that has to make the call and say, "Well, where have you been since October? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you've been hiding out on vacation, or are you just like Miami?"
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: now he was off doing what he wanted to do and having fun doing it, and he wasn't really paying attention to business. I mean, he has a an operations manager who's there, and the operations manager's talking about it. I'm talking about it. The bookkeeper's talking about it, and so we're you know we're waving. Hey, you know, we need to yeah. do something here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Not easy sometimes. So number one is you always have a budget. What else do you do? do Number two
1: is you always pay attention to your cash. All right. So, and and that you do on a daily, a weekly and a monthly basis. And the cash piece of it is um, always look at your bank account every day, take you less than five minutes. Everybody's electronic. And I will tell you why. One of my clients, bookkeepers, he got, you know, when you're setting up a new account, sometimes you get two deposits, one's like two cents, one's like, you know, 72 cents or something like that. Well, this came into their checking account. Um, the bookkeeper said, ah, you know, he's just setting up a new account. Well, the next day there were two dollars withdrawals that they didn't make. And the banker called them and said, did you do that? And he goes, no, shut down the account immediately because what those two bank things were, we're just trying to make sure the account was valid yeah, and right. had, you know, had he asked the question the day before rather than having to have the bank, you know, it was fine in the long run. Sure. But if you ever see that, it's like, call your banker immediately, shut your account down. Somebody's hacked it.
0: Yeah. You you, need to unless you through.
1: look at it, you're not going to see it.
0: Right. Yeah. And sometimes if it's too late, then you have no, no retro, there's no way to get it back. No you know? recourse. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's like, huh, excuse me. Yeah. So that, so the cash piece of it, they do. Um, a lot of times I'll do, operational things or marketing things depending upon who their target audience is i I am a total believer in direct mail and direct mail marketing simply because um, social media is great it's part of a marketing plan but so is direct mail because nobody's doing it these days and if you do it right it will get noticed and people will pay attention so we do a lot a lot of times we'll do direct mail campaigns but it all comes around to dealing with what we decide with the budget and you know part of the budget is a marketing plan part of the budget is obviously um, the revenue side and the overhead expense side and i always make sure that they understand their overhead cost per hour and their net profit per hour and let me explain those overhead cost per hour is for each revenue producing hour or each billable hour whichever you, you know you have in your business how much actual profit actually drops to the bottom line is your net profit per hour and if you, and your overhead cost per hour is for every one of those revenue hours or billable hours, how much overhead do you have to attach to each one of those hours? So, um, you know, a lot of times when we start working with the clients, I'll be working with a $4 million company and they're making $3 and 22 cents an hour. True story. Wow. happens a lot. Wow. And it's like,
2: where's it going? That? Yeah. yeah. Why bother? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And so we get rid of all the excess stuff that's going on. We figure out where the holes are and we actually um turn it around.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, just real granular and look and
2: digging deep, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uncovering uh the truth. <laughs> Basically.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the truth really, really hurts. Um, wow. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, I get to be the bearer of bad news a lot of times. You know, I try to do it as as gently as I possibly can, but the facts are the facts are the facts.
0: You're not always nice, huh, Ruth?
1: No, I'm not. <laughs> really
0: nice. You seem too nice to not yeah, be nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. They're not paying me to be nice.
0: Yeah. They're no, paying they're not.
1: me to be profitable. And yeah.
0: they're, they're, they paying, they're paying you to, to yeah, to, You know, have an impact. Whip them into shape. Yeah. 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 So team business, you know, we talk a lot about teams. Uh, It's, you know, Ray and I are big sports fans. We think that a team concept is important in business just as it is in sports. Now, when you're working with your most successful clients, thinking about them, do you notice a common theme between the teams they've built within their organizations?
1: Oh, yeah. Everybody communicates really well and everybody runs their departments by the numbers. Period. That's it.
2: Period. Everybody
1: end of has work. APIs. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's no secret there, huh?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, um, key performance indicators everybody on their team knows exactly what they have to do, exactly how they contribute to the bottom line, and exactly how the customer interfaces with them. So there's no surprises. There's no, Yeah, you know, everybody knows where they are. Everybody yeah. runs by the numbers. Um, and they communicate really, really, really well.
2: Yeah. And that's right. what
1: really, really good teams do.
0: Especially between, I'm sure, between departments, you know?
1: Well, even in the departments themselves. Within
0: within the departments, yeah. Yeah.
1: Every team member knows what they're doing every week, um, what's expected every week. Now, some of it, you know, it's like overhead departments. Um, So there's not a revenue component to it. But there might be um, take care of X number of customers this week in this particular type of area. you know, make yeah. sure that the the field personnel, if we're doing it like an HVAC company, make sure that they're being as productive as they can, so that we have our billable hours as much as we can. Usually, there's a percentage of billable hours that they're responsible for, things like that.
2: Well, I mean that that uh, tr- a characteristic of those uh, successful companies. I mean, it almost seems like common sense, but I guess it's not that common, right? No, it's
0: not.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. unfortunately, you know, I think owners try to be too nice. They forget that um, there really is a contract between them and their employees, whether or not it is, you know, signed on the dotted line type of contract, but they've contracted with them for X number of hours a week, usually, you know, 40 hours or whatever else it is, to produce Y or to do Z. And it's the employees' responsibility to produce Y or to do Z. And the owner has to be very consistent and very communicative about what their requirements are because nobody can read their minds, number one. Number two is if they're not producing X or doing Z, the employee is only fair to the employee to know that he's not doing X or Z and what can we do to get you back on track? And if not, we end up with a lot of issues. I mean, I had one time, business owners um, fired this employee, and the employee had health problems, and he wasn't fired because of the health problems, he was fired for other reasons, but he never documented it. Yeah. So the employee sued him for the health problems, and he ended up having to settle out of court for lots of money, yeah. simply because it would have been more expensive to actually, you know, to, to fight, fight it, it which yeah. is insane
2: it is that happens often unfortunately so so ruth i I, I, i'm just curious because i know you you are profitability master and you take a look at the company's books and their and how they're functioning i mean it almost seems like do you do anything in on the risk management side of it like basically what you're describing here as far as employees i mean that's a potential loss there for an employer if they're not you know uh documenting interactions with their employees? Do you get involved in any of that at all? Or when you're reviewing a company?
1: If they don't have a policies and procedures manual, um, they need one, obviously. If they don't have KPIs, they need one. And I have a really great HR person that I work with who is not part of my team. I mean, she's a colleague of mine Mm. um, who knows all the state laws in all the states. And I don't keep up with it because every state is slightly different. And Somebody asks me a question that's HR, I'll say, go call Susie.
0: Gotcha. Especially yeah. if you're dealing with California, right?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole world of its own.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. I, had yeah. a, um, I was doing a, a talk before COVID for um, a distributor, and he had his, his HR attorney there. It was in California. It was. Um, and he, the attorney said, well, you have two options. You can comply with the state of California laws, and then you're not in compliance with federal law, or you can comply with federal law, and then you won't be in compliance with state of California law.
2: Choose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Choose your poison. Yeah. They love to fight each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Um, well, at this point here, I guess uh, we'd like to, like, uh, lead off the, uh, or actually finish off the uh, podcast with some feel-good questions. Uh, I'll start off unless you want to start. Go off ahead, Mike. Man, uh, So, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, the numbers and what you do, it seems like this is your passion. I mean, this, you're meant to do this, but if you weren't doing what you're doing now, I mean, what would you be doing? What would you be pursuing other than what you are now?
1: Uh, passion wise is obviously this. Okay. Um, when I'm not doing this, I am either running
2: okay. mm. photography okay.
1: or reading. Or doing jigsaw puzzles. Okay. Oh, cool. Or our traveling. One of the, you know, one of those five things. So that's, you know, I would be traveling the world right now if I wasn't doing this. And quite frankly, I can actually do this and travel once, you know, now that we're getting back open, I can do it again, um, and just, you know, go around the world and help small businesses there and, and see the sights at the same time. I mean, that's a that's the best of both worlds.
0: Where you have clients everywhere?
1: I've got clients in Canada. I've got clients in the U.S. I have 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 a client in Australia. Oh wow. And it's just, you know, it's incredible. I mean, Australia is like this. And they even in Australia now that's it's um opened up to some extent, but even different we call them um counties or you know whatever I forget what they call there, them in Australia. Territories I think. States, territories, there, yeah. something like that one territory cannot go into another territory right now. So they were really mm. limited in terms of how they could actually take care of their customers. And they had a pivot that way too. It, oh, I wow. mean, they were like, okay, each territory is shut down. Yeah. So if you're not in this territory, you can't go to the next one. And it was crazy. Yeah,
0: That is crazy. Yeah, And Canada is still shut down, right?
1: It is. Mm-hmm.
0: It's too bad. It's sad, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I guess they're not vaccinating at the, the rate that we are.
1: I think we're vaccinating, and I don't know this for a matter of fact, but I think we are vaccinating faster than anyone, any other country in the world right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so here's another question we like to ask. Uh, what would you say your, your life partner, your best friend, what would you say they like least and most about you?
1: What they like least about me is that I'm really direct. Hmm. What they like most mm-hmm. about me is that I'm that I'll give them the shirt off my back to help them.
2: Hmm. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So uh, you're um, so tennis was your sport. I mean, who, who do you follow?
1: Who do I follow? Obviously, the, the big ones are um, Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. And the reason that I follow them is I'm fascinated by the fact that they can deal with stress Mm -hmm. and they can easily, you know, they have a bad point and it's gone. Now, Djokovic Mm. has had temper tantrums in the U.S. Open (laughs) last year when he had that ball hit a a line judge and kicked him out of the tournament. But Nadal and uh, Roger Federer, I mean, it doesn't matter whether they hit a good shot or a bad shot, they just go on and I, Totally respect, admire, and I found out how they did it. Um, there's a book huh. that um, Trevor Moawad wrote called "It Takes What It Takes," and he works with a lot of um, not only tennis but um, different. Um, he worked with um, Russell. What's Russell's last name? Seahawks.
2: Wilson. In. Wilson.
1: Wilson. He works with Russell Wilson. He oh. works with a, a whole bunch of people, and it is that he trains them how to all right, this isn't the past. Go for it. Yeah. Ignore it. Go on. And it really is the thing that I had been searching for about why they were so good at what they did. Cause I thought maybe they spent hours just with a psychologist or something like that, but he really went through the whole psychology of it. And that's what I admire so much about the really top players. They just let it go.
0: Yeah. Especially considering really it's just it. one-on-one, you know, exactly. Yeah. They're out there on an Island.
1: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if you do, you, do you follow, um, college tennis at all?
0: I no, it, probably uh, not.
1: They just had the, um, the national finals in, in mm-hmm. Florida this past week. And it was really interesting because it's so different because it's team oriented. There are six singles and one doubles. So you yep. have to win four points. And if you win a match, you get a point, but everybody is cheering for everybody else. So you're not alone in college tennis. Whereas you get into professional tennis, you are by yourself. Oh, yeah. So it's a very different way of looking at it. And I like college tennis just as much because it's different. And there's the coaching that you can do and everything along those lines. Um, They're not as good mentally as the professionals are, though.
0: Right. Makes makes sense. I think
2: we're. uh...
1: Yeah.
0: So, Ruth, tell us, tell our audience, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way
1: to get in touch with me is just go to my website that is my conglomerate website that has everything on it, which is ruthking.info. All my contact information is there. All my books are there. All the websites are there. All the classes are there. It's all there. I've put them all in one big website, and that's the easiest place to get me is ruthking.info.
0: Awesome. And do you welcome LinkedIn connections?
1: Absolutely. Um, My thing is LinkedIn one. So it's linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash Ruth King dot one.
0: You have that down pat.
1: (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, and I love (laughs) LinkedIn
1: connections. It's really fun. um, I'm telling you that um, you heard me on, on your show and happy to connect, happy to answer any questions that you, that you have. Um, I also have a a thing called profitability movement, which is profitability dash movement dot. Um, mn.co. And this is a community of people who are interested in in building profitable businesses. And we share ideas and questions and things there too. So awesome. I'm I'm around. I'm I'm happy to answer any question that I can help you with.
0: You guys heard and Ruth is a wealth of knowledge. And the last thing we're going to ask her before we let her go and let her off the hook for the day is (laughs) for the small business owners, Ruth, give us, give them one tip. One tip in all your years of experience working with businesses through all the times, the ups and downs and economic impacts, what's one tip you would give small business owners moving forward?
1: Save 1% of every dollar that comes in the door. So if you get a check for $1,000, you put $10 away and you do not touch it. It will save your butt when things like COVID and stuff like that happens. But every week for whatever your deposits were, you take 1% of it and you put it in a separate savings account and that becomes your rainy day fund and you can sleep better at night.
0: I love that. Perfect. That's awesome. And it doesn't seem, you would think it's easy, you know? Yeah. Like 1% doesn't seem unattainable.
1: It is very simple to do and it is very simple not to do. It's
2: the consistency and the discipline to do it day in day. I or
0: just it. flat out losing track of yeah. your expenses, your overhead. You know yeah but like, i love that it, tip it, that's a straightforward yeah great tip that everybody yeah. can implement starting now yeah <laughs> you should
2: be listening out there you
0: should basics <laughs> but ruth thank you so much uh you were an awesome guest yeah. we had a lot of fun talking to you mm-hmm.
1: my pleasure i had fun talking to you too
0: yeah and uh for those of you that are watching remember to follow us along our social media channels our youtube channel connect with ruth you heard the ways to get in touch with her and remember, support small business locally here in San Diego and throughout our great country. Yeah. Thanks again for joining. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. You take care.
1: Bye.